Hi everybody, my name is Brendan Malone and you're listening to The Dispatches Podcast. Every single Friday from the end of December until the start of February, we're giving you the chance to sample just some of the awesome subscriber-only podcast content that our $5 monthly patrons have been exclusively enjoying over the past 12 months. If you like what you hear in this episode and you want more of it, then all you need to do is become a patron of The Dispatches with $5 or more per month at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Or even easier, you can just click on the link in today's show notes and sign up that way. All of our subscriber-only episodes of The Dispatches podcast are now available on Spotify as well, which makes the listening even easier. One more quick thing before we start this free episode of The Dispatches. In 2024, we're going to be launching an awesome new website called The Forge. The Forge is an online platform that will offer lots of new, high-quality video, audio, and live stream content to help you shape your life and your intellect in the fires of goodness, truth, and beauty. The website is still being built, but there is a splash page that is live right now, so head on over to theforge.org.nz and leave your email address so that you can be the first to know when the forge is live and the fires have been lit. The link is in today's show notes. Right, without any further ado, let's jump into this free edition of the Dispatches podcast. And until next time, don't forget, live by goodness, truth and beauty, not by lies. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, my name is Brendan Malone and you're listening to The Dispatches, the podcast that strives to cut through all the noise in order to challenge the popular narratives of the day with some good old-fashioned contrarian thinking. You might not always agree, but at least you'll be taking a deeper look at the world around you. Hi everybody, welcome along to the very final episode of The Dispatches podcast for 2023. That's right, we made it, well, almost, in a couple of days' time. It will be the end of the year, and a new year will be upon us. It's hard to believe, but here we are. This final episode of the year that I have for you is a bit of a special one. I sat down almost a year ago, actually, to the day. Not quite, but almost exactly one year ago, I sat down with Gemma Brunton and Anna Abraham, and we were all together at an event called the Hearts of Flame Catholic Summer School. It's a 10-day live-in event of theological formation, prayer. It's just an, an amazing event. There's really nothing quite like it. It's for 18 to 35-year-olds. Uh, I was the former director. Gemma is the current director. It's been happening in New Zealand for over 30 years now, and there's been a lot of amazing fruits that have come out of this event. And so we were all there together. We sat down, turned on the microphones, and we recorded a conversation about women and leadership in the church. This is a bit of a hot-button topic across all denominations. Now, yes, these are two Catholic leaders, but don't panic. If you're one of my regular listeners and you're not a Catholic, you will recognize that these concerns and these issues, they cross denominational divides. This is a bit of a hot-button topic across the denomination spectrum. There won't be too much inside Catholic baseball, but you will hear a lot of things from that perspective. Don't panic, you shouldn't have to Google too much, it should all make sense. But this is a really interesting and I think important conversation. Generally these types of conversations can be quite militant, they can be quite politicised, they can be, well they can be very emotive and, and 
you know, highly charged. Our conversation was the exact opposite of that. And I really enjoyed being able to have this dialogue with two really great female leaders about leadership, womanhood, and the church today. So without any further ado, let's hear from Gemma and Anna. Today in this episode, I thought we'd talk about the sometimes vexed issue of women in leadership, particularly in Christian circles and particularly in the Christian church. Now, the three of us are Catholics, so there's a specific theological, ecclesial context that we're going to be probably speaking out of today. But I think a lot of these things are generic to uh, the Christian tradition in general today, um, some places more so than others. Um, Before we get into that topic, which can get quite politicized and heated, Perhaps we should start by throwing out a little bit of your credentials, ladies. So what are your leadership experience credentials? What are you doing right now? What sort of, you know, and I think leadership has a, it's fair to say, and rightly so, has a broad term, which is good. Uh, You know, it's not necessarily specific. I'm in charge of X, but there are different ways. Like, Anna, you've got a PhD. No? (laughs) Oh, what have you got? A licentiate. A licentiate. I thought, well, what was st- Robert saying last night? Sorry, this is some other guy. that Listeners are like, who's Robert? He's-, He's under the impression I have a PhD and I just let him run with it. Do really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I was listening to him and I'm like, Where did, wow, she got a PhD. Man, she's been so busy. I didn't even know that. That's amazing. And I just went along with it thinking, yeah. oh, good on I you. Did, I did start one. She did yeah. lots it's, of a PhD. Mm, it's just been on pause for five years or something like that. So, <laughs> just a lot of short break. So a licentiate, what is a licentiate for those who don't know what that is? Well, I guess it's it's postgraduate studies. It's mm. kind of masters, mm. an, a European equivalent of a masters. Yeah. Mm. And what's your specialty? Liturgical theology. Wow. Yeah. And uh, what do you do at the moment? Like you, you're involved and you have had, you've like you were involved in Hearts of Flame yes. and the leadership the planning, the direction team mm-hmm. for, for, the, for, for that for I think this years. is my 13th Hearts. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. She looks at me questioningly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, right. I think six or seven years on the planning team. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. And there's this thing called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd that mm-hmm. you are very much involved with leading in that's, Aussie. That's is, my work at the moment. So you're working for them. Yeah. Tell well, us a little bit about what that is. It's a volunteer position, but it's it's, I think... When you're talking about leadership, I think sort of how it's flowed in my life has been more about um, formation. So being involved in uh, roles that are, are are about formation of people in faith. So Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is um, faith formation for three to 12-year-olds. Yeah, awesome. And uh, so... Another time in my life, it was adults, um, and another time was youth ministry. But at this stage, it's yeah, working with children. And you've lectured at uh, well, what you'd say um, undergrad level, right? Yes. A- and and two seminarians as well. So so male mm-hmm. seminarians in the Catholic tradition, who yes. you know, and I don't imagine there would have been too shocked or too many surprised faces to see a female lecturer in that context. It's yeah. no, but I think. When I was doing my postgraduate studies um, in the area of liturgy, mm. that was, you know, a number of most of my uh, fellow students were priests. Yeah. And um, so I did get questions, oh, you know, not not in a derogatory kind of way, but just, you know, what, what led you yeah. to, to that? Um, well, that's a good question. What did you, because you, you would, I would imagine, even for me as a bloke, I'm thinking, 
Yeah, liturgical studies, but maybe for the priests it'd be a real thriller. Yeah. But you, you obviously something drew you to that. What was it? Yeah, look, I, I, um, I guess when I had a conversion back to my faith in my early twenties, one of the things that um, was important, an important part of that, was you know going to mass regularly, and I um, was involved with music in mass, and mm-hmm. uh, like I just became really interested in that. Um, side of our faith and um and then also there was opportunity for me if i chose to study Mm. liturgical theology that i would perhaps get a job out of it so i mean it was something that i was passionate about anyway and really interested in and had sort of followed um for a number of years and then it just so happened that um there was sort of an opening um for a position if i went and did postgraduate studies, so I took the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah awesome. And uh, Gemma, you have uh, obviously Hearts of Flame now, director of that team. Mm. You've also got um, some previous youth ministry leadership experience under your belt, or young adults leadership, was it sort of? Yeah, you know, a real mix, I guess, just yeah. in parish life, and yeah. I always seem to find myself in these positions. I'm not quite sure how. <laughs> <laughs> you got the skills, Jim, and that's why. And um, and you also, in your nine to five, mm-hmm. you run your own leadership training business now, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty new thing. Obviously, the last six yeah. months. Um, but yeah, I work in leadership full time. Yeah, uh, running leadership development programs, um, mostly in the public service, but do uh, a bit, quite a bit, in uh, working with women in the primary sector. Yeah, these days, so supporting women. Um, farming woman actually really Uh, yeah yeah um in what ways do you support them is this like to be a empowered skilled woman in leadership or is it is it just in general terms or is it yeah so it's leadership formation um if you think about it like some of the farming businesses in new zealand are like multi-million dollar businesses Hmm. and a lot of the women like the farmers are out there every day with the cows and the sheep and (laughs) doing all that sort of stuff and a lot of the women are running the businesses and they would say, I'm just the farmer's wife. Interesting. Uh, and so it's helping them to understand that they are leaders yeah. and sort of stepping into that and owning that leadership position. Yeah. yeah. So so public service and, and quite a lot of that. And you've worked in some interesting roles, like you, the corrections, which for those who are outside of New Zealand, that's our prisons mm. system. And um, I don't imagine that would be a cakewalk every day, some of the roles and, and, and sort of that side of things. And And recently the pandemic, you had a... You know, you were sort of in the public sector when that was all kicking off, and then you, you know, you were working with some people who were working quite high up in some of those places, right? Yeah. So I, um, crazily, I still think back and think about it a bit, but crazily, but um, as a 22-year-old, yeah, my first, very first job out of university, yeah, I was working in the men's prison, wow. running rehab programs for offenders, <laughs> um, and my very first program, yeah, was uh, a group of violent offenders. Um, Wow. Yeah, doing group, sort of running group therapy as, as a sense. Yeah. yeah. So that, and then, yeah, before I went out um, on my own, I was working in the public service um, and central government designing leadership development programs for the public service. So, yeah, yeah right from sort of first-time people leaders, the, which is the first time someone starts to manage other people, yeah. right up into uh, New Zealand's senior system leaders. So sort of the top 1,000 sort of leaders in New Zealand I've been designing and, run, and facilitating development for them since I left. Wow, Gemma, that's, mm. man, 
I feel inferior sitting in the <laughs> room with all. someone so qualified. Uh, we'll, no, we'll, we'll, come, we'll, we'll come back to that because I think that, that what your role that you, you know, your professional career role, I think raises this interesting distinction about different types of leadership. And I, I see it as like um, that visionary versus the process type stuff. And, yeah, and often the, so much. The, the two, one's good at one and not the other, you know. Um, someone, a participant asked me about that last night in the dinner queue, actually, yeah. of all things. So. so we'll talk about that in a second. But we are here to talk about female leadership and I'd, 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 I guess I'll start with you Anna maybe because um, a lot of talk today about women in the church we need more female leaders and where's the female leaders and, and where's the woman leaders and we need more women leadership and there's a, in Catholicism right now there's a bit of a debate going on about the female diaconate and all this sort of stuff is, in the last couple of years has suddenly arisen again I guess my question is, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as, as ladies, is this really the big issue or is this uh, perhaps a uh, an ancient fight that some people want to go back to because they didn't get what they felt, they, they didn't get the victory they wanted first time around? Hmm. Well, I think personally for me, it, it isn't. I'm not particularly interested in the ordination ministry for hmm. women, but look, be honest, and I have friends for whom maybe maybe not necessarily priesthood, but um, diaconate or something like that. Like they they genuinely, you know, feel passionate about that. Um, and not that I was involved um, in it directly, more indirectly, but with the um, plenary council we mm. had uh, in Australia over the last few years. Um, you know, that was certainly a quite a sticking point, especially in the, the last assembly. Because that got quite heated, right? For those who don't know, this is a, a gathering of Catholics, priests, bishops, lay people from all over Australia, mm, right? Mm. And they all, they vote on different um, proposals, right, at, at, at the end of each session, is that That's right? That's right, yeah. And, and, and it got a bit tense when it came to that question of female leadership. Yeah, and I think I think it was a, an eye-opener to see women on both sides of the debate and, and mm women seeing another, you know, women on, you know, not agreeing with them. And um, I think it was a good good thing in the end because I think they had to sort of come together and uh, share their own point of view and um, perhaps connect um, like they haven't done before because it's sort of, you know, maybe not been face-to-face. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, look, um, there were people who had pretty high emotions on both sides. And that's kind of made me think a little bit more because I I sort of perhaps have tended to dismiss that (laughs) because it's certainly not on my radar and I don't think theologically um, it is something for for women. But it it does make you think, okay, well, what if if ordination isn't for women, what is is our role in the church and – I think the church has said plenty of things about it, um, but it sometimes doesn't filter down to everybody in the pew <laughs> um, or, you know, just to, to feel empowered, to, not empowered either, but um, just to know what what is my responsibility mm. as a faithful Catholic, as a, as a faithful woman, mm. what is my responsibility in the church? What is my baptismal duty? Yeah. And uh, I think by my desire getting into order, uh, into formation was not just establishing that for women, but helping people to, well, I've been baptized, I'm a Catholic, so, you know, it's not not enough just to turn up on a Sunday. What else do I need to do? What what should my life look like? 
What about you, Jim? How do you feel about this issue when you hear that, you know, the, the role of... Because there, there's a big push right now at the moment where it's sort of, I don't know how you felt about it, but previously it felt to me, as a bloke, to be fair, <laughs> uh, that we, we were starting to, uh, under the previous Catholic Pope, Pope John Paul II, sorry, the one before, Pope, um, Pope Benedict was the previous, but... Um, under JP2 he wrote some really powerful and profound stuff about authentic feminism mm. and the feminine genius and it really felt that we were starting to get some sort of traction and, and then all of a sudden mm. it feels like now we've gone backwards mm. and it's like oh no 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 it's it's not good enough so what what do you think when you hear this as a as a female in the church honestly for me it's just a non-issue personally mm. uh, I just think there are so many places that women can lead in the church I see so many opportunities of things I would love to help out with or ways that I could lead and serve and I don't have the time mm. for it. Uh, so, yeah, I just don't think it's lacking. I don't, I don't think the opportunities for women to step up and serve and show leadership in the Catholic Church are lacking at mm. all. So, yeah, the idea for me that... Um, that I that that the opportunities are not there it just doesn't exist. So then, is this a politicised fight then that's really focused more so on the priesthood and and that rather than you know so when often when people say woman and leadership, what they're really meaning is we want woman priests. Is that because it seems that what you're saying, Gemma, is that there's these roles that need filling. Yeah. And it's like if you anyone who wants to really commit themselves to leadership, there's so much to be done. It's like it's, you know, it's, what do you mean there's no role for women? That would be my question. And, uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I mean, I don't know, but I, maybe you're right that it is just actually about the police, uh, the priesthood, the policehood, uh, the priesthood. <laughs> um, because there's a real need, like, uh, you know, in the parishes and in the, you know, we talk a lot, we're in a lot of Catholic circles and there's a real need in parishes and even in something like Hearts of Flame, you know, I'm often looking for people to stand up and lead mm. and there's, there's just so much need out there uh, and we need more people to stand up. Is, is this a, a, a liberalism problem? We're living in a, uh, an age of post-enlightenment liberalism in all its various forms, and the whole idea of the radical individual is a big thing now, the autonomous, self-choosing individual. And that means you are not as connected as we once were with the concept of tribe and nation and family and community. A lot of that's broken down. So that those are things that give you your identity and your sense of meaning and your sense of role and place in the world. But if that's broken down... Is that a factor here that people are like, well, what do I do? Like, as I was hearing you talk before, and I was thinking maybe for a lot of people, maybe they just don't know what they're supposed to do because it's not as apparent anymore to them as a female or a male, to be fair. Mm -hmm. What is my role in this great adventure of, mm. of the church? Yeah, look, I, I, think, I think we could say that there is a crisis of faith around mm. the world, and mm. well, certainly in the Western world, and... Um, yeah, faith isn't an ordinary part. Well, it's been pushed out of just everyday life. And I guess what you find is even people who are Catholic and maybe go to Mass on a regular basis, but it, there's all this other stuff that life, that they do, you know, like mm. children are in five million different sports and things like that. Everyone's mm. just so busy and yeah. people are working long hours and um, and both parents are working and, you know, and I think people just don't give the time, like they're just giving their time to lots of other things and 
um, because they that they've got a list of priorities, right? Mm. Th- these are our priorities, and um, and so often perhaps um, yeah, in a, in a parish situation, you've got maybe a, a, a small group of people who kind of do everything in the parish and put their hand up and, you know, and then a whole lot of others that just turn up on a Sunday or very occasionally for other things. And um, there there isn't sort of that sense of uh, parish life being something, a community I'm part of and I commit to and I, mm. I commit to it beyond a Sunday Mass. Um not just because there's a need out there, but because there's a need in my heart yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be part of something, and um, to and this is part of my discipleship. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I, I think there's certainly a um, lack of sort of connection with that uh, with people, and um, and even with the ordination issue, like in some ways, yeah, it's. As Jim was saying, like there's just so many leadership roles out there that you know there's so so much opportunity that's not related to um, ordination, um, and and then also we get told you know like the whole clericalism thing is is you know a, a bad news, but then everyone just wants to enter into that, uh, yeah, and yeah. I think the whole ordination thing is almost a little bit like the only leaders in the church are people who've been ordained, yeah, and I'm like, well, that that's not me. true either. <laughs> And because, you know, priests, are, um, not all priests have a natural mm. or, or developed any kind of leadership ability and they've got a particular very important role to play in the church. And But so do lay people. I, mm. I, you know, I remember the first couple of times coming to Hearts and someone talking about the role of the laity in the church, like mm. the sleeping giant, you know. Mm. Like why are we trying to aim for something else? Like the, yeah. it's the lay people that are the ones who take Christ out into the communities and into their workplaces and into their families. And, yeah, I sort of, yeah, feel like we just need to get on board with that and, and not worry too much about those who are ordained and or, you know, thinking that they're the only leaders in the church. Hearts of Flame is a great example of that too, isn't it, really? You think about it, 30 years, it's a lay-initiated and lay-driven initiative. And... It's amazing. It has been a, a real testament to that. Um, and, and yeah, and it, it's amazing. A lot of other things just wouldn't have lasted this long without some sort of connection to the of official channels. It's it's mm. not that it's a rogue unit or anything. That makes it sound like a cowboy. I don't say it's not. But yeah, it's it's fascinating because it's such a that that should be the norm, but it's not. Like I mean, that that level of lay commitment and year after year after an evangelistic zeal and I, I guess it goes back to what you were saying, Anna. The, the there's a crisis of faith. So if you don't know, you're not as connected to your faith, you're not going to understand that you should be evangelizing either. Yeah, it makes me it makes me think, you know, when you started, you asked me the other day when we were talking about it, Hearts of Flames currently, I'm the director. My mm. deputy director is Brendan's wife, Katie Malone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's two women. But I didn't even think twice about that. And then, yeah. and then I was thinking back, oh, so the previous deputy director was a guy, it was um, Tom Saywell. Yeah. Um, but then before that, it was Anna Abraham. So I was like, but but it doesn't register on my radar that we are two women leading a ministry for New Zealand. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, both of you. Because um, before Gemma was the director, I was the director of Hearts of Flame. So it's your and, fault that yeah, I'm here. <laughs> it is. And I couldn't wait to get outside to just, yeah, you do it. No, um, and so... 
Gemma was co-director for a while, and it was so abundantly clear to me, Gemma, that you were the right person for the job. Not once did it ever cross my mind, and I'd hardly call myself a new age type bloke, but not once did it ever cross my mind, oh, well, she's a lady, I'm not sure whether she'll be up to the job, you know. Um, It was just like you were the right person for the job. But have you ever had, either of you, a glass ceiling moment maybe in the church where you've even suspected maybe it was that, 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 that was a factor? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because even just after what I just said, I think when you asked me, I there was a consciousness of being a woman and it, in that moment, but it was because I think, you know, one of my roles here as director is to get all the priests mm. on board and to communicate with the cardinal and the bishops um, at times throughout the year. And I think that was probably for me where I was most conscious and probably when I am most conscious of being a woman, female leader in the church and in this space running this school is trying to sometimes wrangle the priests, <laughs> if it's appropriate to use that word, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and get them on board and get their support um, because I'm not a superior and I don't have a theology degree like Anna. Um, so yeah, so I guess that's the consciousness for me. But I think, I, I don't know if that would be any different. I mean, f- was that any different for you? No, and I think part of mine was just I was a bit of a brute force thug at times. You know, that sounds bad, but I was a bit of a loud. I was like, well, come on then, get, get your A into Jew, let's get going. And it, that's just a personality thing. But mm. funnily enough, probably there were times where I think I deferred a lot because as a layperson, you're often um, expecting uh, the priests, for example, to do priestly duties. And that's not mm. my specialty. And there were often you'd defer and you'd, you, I, I was very conscious to double check if I wasn't sure, but it didn't take long to sort of get my head around that. But I, I don't know. That, I don't know if there was a male, f- if that's a male-female thing so much mm. as it's a lay people ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, they're the clerics and, and they have a specialty and a special set of skills, mm. you know, and, and you sort of maybe you feel a little bit hesitant to. But, you know, I think that's the thing in leadership across the board is that, sometimes people assume things and I'm quite uh, that's why I asked that question actually is because sometimes people assume things are because they're male or female Mm. but they can actually be about totally other things Mm. that's you know about yeah lay people priests yeah uh, religious um that's a good point I want to hold that thought because we want to come back to that point um, have you, Anna, were you, I mean, you, you were lecturing seminarians. Did you ever have a moment where they're like, well, look here, you know, this is our thing, you know? Well, I think a few times I I realised, yeah, that lecturing seminarians and, and mm. lay people as well in liturgy was something that was not a regular occurrence to see mm. a woman do it. Not that a woman hasn't been able to do it, but it's just perhaps, you know, uh, the priest, a priest is probably more naturally going to be interested in, in the liturgy and, and have the opportunity perhaps to do further studies in order to, to be able to lecture. Um, I just, you know, I certainly, there was no uh, obstacles put in my way um, when I wanted to do that. And in fact, it was the opposite. It was you know, the, the church in New Zealand was... Um, very supportive of me and the, the bishops and and yeah, I uh, was very grateful for that. So I mean, you know, like they they were happy to for me to you know, mm. uh, but certainly I, I like I realised that 
you know, perhaps in, in this particular context, um, I did sometimes sort of feel my, uh, oh, yes, I'm, I'm a female doing this, yeah. Um, but but never it was never a sort of a negative thing. It's just, you know, the, the way history's gone. It hasn't sort of been something that perhaps yeah. many women have taken on, and certainly maybe this end of the world as well. Um, in the States it would be different, and maybe even in Europe. Um, but, yeah, um, but it was exciting, and, um, and even just today seeing some of my former students now as priests yeah. and it was just beautiful yeah, yeah. it must felt a little so bit cool. like even though like honestly my contribution was so so tiny compared to you know the years and all all those that contribute to their formation but yeah it did sort of feel like a proud mum <laughs> well that's funny you should say that it's because i i often think of female leadership and the feminine genius and pope john paul ii wrote a lot about talked a lot about this and i think mm. he really can I say, I think he, as a bloke, he really cracked the nut. He understood something quite important there. And I've seen this now so many times, the way females lead. It doesn't matter whether they've got children or not. They lead from a very, genuinely speaking, a maternal, there's a maternal instinct. They have a genuine, nurturing, emotional connection to the subjects they lead, to the ministries they're involved with. It's a it's a beautiful thing. Blokes can be a bit brutish about that. And, and, and sometimes you need that sort of, right, we're just going to get on and get going. Other times it's just not good at all because they ride roughshod over lots of people, you know. And so it's fascinating to hear you saying that, that, that you... You're like, oh, that's my boys, yeah. you know. And it, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a beautiful thing, I think. You know, is, is that something that we've lost though, or we've lost sight of? Like, it feels to me now, it's like, oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. But you've got to be a woman and a something else to have some value or leadership. But why can't just the feminine genius be the point of leadership? Well, certainly uh, in the secular society, maybe it's not as bad anymore. But certainly anything that made a woman distinctive as in giving birth and being a mother was mm. like you know we have to let that go and because otherwise we can't have our careers or um have uh you know um, be the top uh mm. and yeah i just I, I just can't be bothered with any of that like i just kind of feel like i just i'm me and i'm a particular version of a, a, like i'm we're all fairly unique, even yeah. male or female, whatever. And I, I find that I don't have children, but that kind of mothering thing comes naturally to me. And I'm just like, I'm just going to let it roll. Yeah. And uh, it's just who I am and that's fine. And not all women necessarily feel that, but I think, you know, I think it's still something that's just innate in all of us. And sometimes yeah. our circumstances make, means that it's, it's a difficult area for us perhaps to connect with yeah. but um but i think it's something that usually comes fairly naturally and i oh, just why why stamp that out just you know it's not a it's not a social construct it's it's kind of something that yeah. i know in my experience it just wells up within me when i first became mm. an auntie my gosh like i just th my life changed and this i'm you know, it's not even my child like you know <laughs> yeah. like i just felt different having a nephew it was um and I was like, hang on, my world changed. Wow. And, uh, and it was kind of bizarre. Like I hadn't really thought about it. And because it happened like, you know, I don't know. It just, yeah, it changed my life. And I think that that, that kind of was the, the welling up of that sort of That's feeling like a mother. Yeah, what a great insight. Mm, mm. 
What about you, Gemma? Do you do you have a sort of a, a motherly instinct for the participants who come to Hearts of Flame each year or for your planning team members or are you more sort of like I'm just I'm too busy here getting on with the process of this thing what, what? depends what mood I'm in depends what <laughs> day it is telling them to go to bed yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so Anna we were, it's so funny we're having this conversation because we were just in a meeting um the all the non-participants gather each day once a day um and I brief them on what's coming in the next 24 hours and just get any feedback as to how things are going and one of the Dominicans with us present was talking about not having enough sleep or something like that. And I said, I said something like, I'm, although I'm not in charge of you, do I need to start mothering you and tell you to go to bed earlier? <laughs> <laughs> and so that side, it's funny because that side I don't think comes out that often, but yeah. uh, it was just in that moment. And, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, don't worry, you were not the only person that mothers me or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Hint taken. So, so it obviously does just come out here and there. I think it does in terms of the team. You know, people don't get a lot of sleep at Hearts of Flame. The team doesn't anyway. And yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, I I think I'm. I, I, sometimes I wish I was more intuitively in in uh, connected. Yeah. But I think I do sort of watch and sense probably more than maybe some men would watch and sense. Yeah. You know that someone's not up to speed or someone needs to be encouraged to go get some time out or yeah I think and I would guess that's sort of my feminine genius coming to play is just that observation and watching and sensing mm. it's funny yeah like I, I one thing I've been uh, I guess this intrigued me about the conversation we've had particularly within the Catholic Church of late but I think most churches in the West this is more and more of a conversation now where's the female leaders we need more female leadership and uh, one thing is, you, you know, also being aware of the fact that the church is bigger than just the West, you know, and maybe in other countries there are some deficiencies that we're not so mm. aware of in that regard. But it sort of feels to me, I look around and I travel a bit, I see a lot of churches and I, I'm thinking, I don't really see a shortage of female leaders. I see females leading all sorts of things and they're, they're, they're running parishes behind the scenes, they're leading youth groups, they're running, you know, like um, sacramental training or catechism classes, if whatever your church calls it. You know, there's lots of that sort of stuff happening. And it, what I see is actually there's a lack of men who are actually present as leaders, ironically, at the very moment we're saying, where are the females? And, like, I'd be interested to hear your take as two females. What is your take on that? Is that a fair assessment? Do you feel the same way? Or uh, is it more complicated than that? I think there's uh – a greater representation of women in the in the church, just mm. like in general, or certainly in the lay category in the church. Um, yeah, and I I don't know. I kind of think sometimes too we have to be careful that when we have this discussion about, you know, should women be ordained and because men can be, but what about what about the men who don't get ordained as well? Yeah. Like, what's their role in the church? And that's most men. The yeah, overwhelming majority yeah, exactly. are not ordained. That's right. And uh, certainly um, before I got married, I thought that there was a very uh, – the number of men in the church was low. And, uh, <laughs> and increased. And, and, yeah. And, it still is, huh? <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. And I did – well, you know, the faithful, faithful men, I think, you know, yeah. we were sort of – um, looking for someone to share faith with as well as a married life. And yeah. um, that sort of felt, uh, where, where are they all? <laughs> um, and, wow. yeah, I ended up overseas and, you know, uh, 
being in uh, churches in around the world and it felt like it was the same there mm. as well. Um, so, yeah, I... I uh, does that, does that point to the, you know, you hear some people say, oh, the feminization of the church is an issue, you know, like, yeah. and, and it doesn't speak to men anymore. And it's Because it's true, men, we are, we, we like that sense of adventure. We like to be drawn into something big mm. and demanding and adventurous. And, and um, some people claim, oh, that's missing now. It's been very, do you think that's a fair assessment or not? Oh, what, what is it? Or is it just well, cultural I, I don't, I just, I just think that a lot of the dumbing down of the faith is to, yeah, okay. is, yeah. you know, is the, is the reason so people feel they just don't need faith yeah in general well and and i mean probably you could say it as a generalization that men want that adventure and mm. that that you know that real reason the, mm. uh to to be doing something and maybe um but women want that too actually and mm. and i just think that yeah that's kind of been dampened down a lot and um you know not required to really um, what was Father Isaac saying today? You know about giving your all, like yeah. being all being in. All in. Yeah. And you know, there's no encouragement to do that much. Um, and yeah, so I think it's sort of yeah across. So the, the board. therapeutic social gathering type model has been really harmful. Is that what you're saying to both males and females? Well, I think so. Yeah, mm. I mean, and the secular world's not helping either, right? Mm. But but we've sort of. By not kind of, yeah, putting that adventure, that faith adventure. I mean, I, you know, 20 years ago, I never would have thought my life would have evolved as it did. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I, even then I, I had a faith, but, you know, when you, when you go all in or try to be, at least, you just never know where you're going to end up. On the, yeah. There's a big adventure out there. And, yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of lacking maybe. Mm. Um, but... I think there was just recently in the Australian context that I'm in, um, you know, they've done uh, mass counts and stuff post-COVID. And the there's been a drop, obviously, across the board. But the biggest drop is actually among women not coming to mass anymore. Really? Wow. Yeah, which is, I think there's still more women than men coming, but they've dropped a lot more than men. That's interesting. So, is there an age demographic in that, oh, or is it just across the board? That's about all I know as yeah, far yeah, as okay. the, the data okay. goes. But um, what's your guess as to why? Uh, don't, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. F- fear of getting sick. I don't know. I don't know what it. I, I just. I don't know. But Gosh. the COVID has really done a number just on our or the way in which we approached our. You know, how we handled COVID has really yeah. done a number on a lot of things, and church attendance in women is one. Wow! Yeah. Speak actually that that brings me to a point, Jim. Perhaps you might want to speak to this. Is um, so I, my thing is well, where are the men? Particularly, I think that sort of middle aged type blokes in particular. There's mm. quite a few younger blokes now starting to step up, but they, the, the the leadership and the mentoring for those men is missing. You know, and there's a lot of older guys who you still see coming to daily mass and stuff like that. But there's that big group of men who are missing in the middle. Do they exist? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the, okay, things are getting desperate here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> there's a lot of therapy session, Jim. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I could understand why people would ask that because you know, particularly in New Zealand, eh? I like it's mm. interesting. I travel into Aussie a bit and and Sydney often and. And I do notice, I guess, the economy of scale, and, and there are, do, do seem to be a few more blokes and uh, eligible blokes too in, in that setting. But 
Um, so I've I've said, look, where's the males in general, male leadership? But also there's another fact here I think is where is the solid leadership process processes in general? Because I've got to be honest with you, and I don't want to be hypercritical, but I mean, and this, I think, Anna, this the, the COVID response, I think, was a reflection of this, mm. sadly, where there was a lack of um, leadership process. And when a big moment where leadership was required, it sort of it just felt like there was a big vacuum. And is that a factor as well? Because you deal in, you specialize in leadership process and making sure that people are good at the process. Because I think, I don't know what your take on this, but I think there's very few visionary leaders that you actually encounter more I, I, and I think that regular nine to five leadership is about doing the process as well and then continually doing yeah. them. Is, yeah. is that missing, do you think, a bit from a, the church? A, in our church? Mm. Yeah, I would I would agree. I, I think so. I think um, that we, well, this is a bit of a topic of mine, so. <laughs> but, but, you know, you and I have had conversations, and I've had conversations with a lot of priests around, actually, about the fact that they don't even get formal leadership training. Yeah. That they get trained in theology and how to run a parish to the level of, you know, administering the sacraments. But they're doing so much more than that. Yeah. And they need so many more leadership skills than that in order to help a parish thrive and flourish. You know, we know a, a priest that's on, I'm pretty sure he's on at least four boards, like governance boards. And, and governance is a real thing. Like people go to, you know, join membership of the Institute of Directors and get like, you know, five-day governance training and how yeah. to, because of all the health and safety obligations and the finance obligations and the legal obligations. So we've got so many priests in roles like that with no formal training and yeah. actually probably not the, the understanding that they should have of what it means to be a governor or a director in New Zealand in the context. So that's just one area I think there's a real need in the church for us to understand what leadership is and actually yeah. start formally training people and developing people in the space of leadership. And so I think that's for priests as well as in uh, schools, uh, but as well as in parish life. You know, there's some people, you know, our parish, um, my parish in Christchurch, we're really lucky that we've got some really good, solid people who actually have those leadership skills. Mm. But not all parishes are that lucky. And I think we need to be doing some work in the church to build leadership. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that because you, you see that meme now, you know, Susan from the parish council. That was a meme for a couple of years back. And, and it was really the, the Christian or Catholic version of the Karen, right? The Karen meme. <laughs> and no offense to anybody called Karen. I know some lovely Karens out there. Um, but, uh, you know, that whole sort of almost passive aggressive, it's, it's not leadership skills. It's just sort of, I'm the boss and you do what I say. And, and they were often just deferring to, the priest would say, right, tell them this or tell them that. And they were the sort of the gatekeeper of that sort of stuff. And so when I think about um, a lot of people saying, well, you know, we want women's ordination. I'm thinking, okay, great. But what are you going to do? Let, let's say, let's imagine an alternate universe where this was theologically possible uh, and you were given that. What are you going to do with it now? Because you've just inherited a mess, haven't you? There's still... None of the real issues have been resolved. What are you actually going to do that, that would be any different? And, and where's the process that needs to be there, right? Mm. That seems that's missing. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, because I, I kind of think even on a parish level, sometimes people don't want to join groups because it just gets all conflict and, you yeah. know, like it gets all messy. Yeah. And maybe the, lead, maybe the leader is someone who doesn't have great skills and it's just like, yeah, it's, it, 
certainly that's sometimes a factor for me and 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 I often don't want to put my hand up for leadership roles even though I end up in them partly because I just feel like oh you know like maybe I I um might not do a good job at being mm. a leader and I feel like it's going to be it's so important to do that because we don't we don't want people to stop coming because you're not a good listener or whatever mm. like I just think there's so many skills that um many people who perhaps you know out of the goodness of their heart they put their hand up to do something in the church but without the the skills not just theological training but yeah. yeah leadership training how to how to interact with people and for our priests too like I mean they just come across all sorts of different people and they have to somehow connect and relate to them all and it's not an easy job and yeah I think that would be amazing if if there was scope for you know development of their own leadership skills and because a good leader will mm. bring other leaders through, right? Like that's yes. that's the. It's not that you get to do everything yourself, but that you empower or you you give um, opportunity for other people to step up and and grow as leaders and stuff as well. And so you know you're producing more leaders and so on and so on. So yeah. How do, how do we address that then? How do we fix that? Because here I am. I'm sitting with two female leaders who are active in leadership. And one in particular, Gemma, who has this clear vision and understanding of, of, of these issues and what's needed, how do, what, does the, what does it look like? Is it just people, lay people have to start stepping up and role modeling it and others go, oh, we want what they've got? Or does it have to come from the top down? How do you, how do you start to address this? I think it's... I think it's many, many different ways. That's such a nonsense <laughs> answer, sorry. Yeah, that's a very political answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a complex issue. It's a complex <laughs> issue. I was just going, thinking back to what your question was before around the, the visionary mm. leader. And this conversation that I was having last night with this participant uh, was that, yes, we need visionary leaders, but we also need leaders who can execute. Yeah. And it's just understanding the different types of leadership. And we need it all in the church I wouldn't say I'm a particularly visionary leader but I'm quite good at executing mm. so other people you know if someone else has a vision and and kind of can sell that to me I can come yeah. in and think about how to implement that I've got quite a I would say reasonably pragmatic and practical and so if someone sees something and I think about how I can make that work or what would that look like in reality in real life mm. so we need, you know, just an answer to that question, and we need all sorts of leaders, and leadership looks and takes many different forms. Mm. Um, so, what is? How do we? How do we develop leaders? I think, yeah, it's from you know, like the work I do and bringing people into Hearts of Flame, um, and trying to get them to say yes first, and then just through the experience of being around the amazing people that we are here at Hearts of Flame and the learning that they do in this space, I think really grows leadership skills. You know, if I think about Tom, my previous co-director, wow, when he started, if he ever listens to this, <laughs> he'll be fine. Um, you know, getting him to turn up to a meeting on time yeah. um, was a little bit of an effort sometimes and he was just very casual and and he stepped down at the end of the last school and he was just exceptional. Like yeah. He had such a thinking brain. He was really committed and he was a huge support and helped me. Yeah. So watching him grow, 
over that time was pretty incredible. So I think it's it is it's about getting people involved and and, and calling them on, yeah. challenging them. And the same in parish life, you know, I think of priests who are really good at that, who someone comes to them, maybe they're a visionary person, they come to them with an idea and the priest goes, so tell me how you'd make that work. Mm. And uh, what do you need to kind of get that going and and backs them and supports them? Uh, I think that grows leadership. It it is mentoring. uh, And I think, but I think even people who are leaders like myself constantly need that mentoring. Mm. But I also think it is, and this has been on my brain about recently, another colleague, uh, another fellow Catholic who does similar work to what I do uh, about what we could start doing in this space mm. to formally grow Catholic leaders in the church because I think there's a bit of a need for that as well. Um, how did you, or what would you say, uh, perhaps we'll start with you, Anna, if there's... Um a young woman listening or a female might not be young who's just new in this whole christian leadership and i'm a female what what do i what do i do where do what do i get i mean did you imagine you would be where you were today how did you get to where you what was the what were the what would you see perhaps as the the fundamental steps regardless of where you ended up that have to be you think about and female leadership serving well, the church i think it's it's all about christ right i think i had a bit of a reversion back to my faith and uh i had you know i I had seen some people who and come in contact with people who were all in for god and so i thought i think i think i want that Mm. and so i didn't really know how one did that but i i know that i um would pray lord just you know do with me what you will and i want to be i want to say yes and I want an adventure, and but you know, you, I want to know what you want me to mm. do in my life. Um, like, how do you want to use me? And I didn't always say it with like firm conviction or anything, <laughs> but yeah. I realized that I just I had to keep saying that to the Lord, and um, and then just you know things kind of happen, like things fall into place, like. You know, I had a conversion and then uh, I went to World Youth Day in, in Rome and met some Australians who were involved with Net Ministries. And I was like, oh, yeah. I've never heard of this thing before. And they were like, you should go on it. You'd be great. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and I went and actually that was my first job. I ended up being a team leader. And like, honestly, it was completely out of the blue when I got asked because I thought I was a pretty bad Catholic. And, um, but you know... Again, like it wasn't sort of something I necessarily went out to try and do. I just was trying to be faithful. I was just trying to be, you know, try to get to know Jesus and try to open my heart to him and try and be all in. And, um, yeah, and one thing has often led to another. And perhaps in the last couple of years I've felt, uh, you know, where, where am I at? Like... I sort of one thing led to another and then and then I kind of ended up I moved to Australia and got married and then I was like, what do I do now? You know? <laughs> and yeah. it's taken a little while for something to unfold. Yeah. Uh, mm. for the CGS stuff to unfold. But I just again, it's just trying to say that to the Lord. And Lord, I just want to serve you. How can I serve you? Yeah. And I like I think that's where everyone should be starting. If if you're thinking I'm gonna 
I want to be a leader in the church. Um, I, like, I don't think that's the place to start. I think it's, Lord, how can I serve you? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Is that is that a is that a red flag for you, Gemma? Because I mean, you, you train in leadership, and and people who say, "Right, I want to be the leader or a leader," or is it better that someone's or or is it a bit of both? You know, does someone have to have enough drive to actually want to to be involved in, in leadership, or is it more? Uh, is that a, is that a, um, a misplaced prioritization where you need to put Christ first and and yourself second? Yeah, I, I would say Christ first, yourself second. And I would also say I, I do have personally a little bit of an internal kind of mm, when someone is too pushy yeah. uh, in that direction. Because I get, yeah, sometimes I can't articulate myself very well. But I think sometimes there's a sense there that something's a bit off, that yeah. their direction. Like or, an agenda or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm quite sensitive to agendas, actually. I feel like there's an agenda being played at. I'll be I'll 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 walk carefully and cautiously in that space. Yeah. So, will you will you give what what would be your threshold? Would you give someone a crack? You thought ah, I can see like there's a little bit of an immaturity, uh, you know, in that regard. But I think there's potential here. What is? Do you have a a red line? Where you a bright line test? Where you say I'm not going to go? You know, if this person shows too many of these, or what? What do you think? Is it an art or is it more than a science, I guess? Yeah, 100% it's an art because, yeah, yeah. and, you know, this is how I lead so often, though, is Mm. I seek wise counsel. Yeah. So I, you know, you'll get to know them a little bit and you will seek counsel of someone who knows them well um, Mm. because, you know, someone might be just super keen and they might be, you know, fully in the right place. And so I'll, I'll often just kind of, you know, ask someone who I really trust that knows that person well, mm. and but also get to know them a little bit. Um, and, you know, it depends what situation you're in, And um, but I will often test people out, you know, um, get their support, get them doing a particular job. Mm. Um, you know, already at this school, there's been a few people that I've had my eye on, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs> that sounds really wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, this isn't therapy, Gemma. <laughs> Thanks, we did. Um, mm. But just people that you can see that stand out. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. that you know, and particularly here, actually, it's it's servant leadership. It's the person yeah. who comes up and says, you know, is there anything that needs doing? I've got a free moment. We've finished our cleaning tasks, or do do you need help with that? Let me take that table and move that table, or. You know, and they're yeah. such little things, but it's someone who's attentive, observational, yeah. other-focused. There's all those things. That's, I guess, what I look for, particularly in the context of Hearts of Flame, is people who, because Hearts of Flame is not a paid role, it can be extremely demanding, yeah. um, and it's someone, so it's people who are genuinely here to serve and lead people to Christ. So virtue then is important. Development virtue, you'd say you both probably agree with that. If if you're mm-hmm. a young lead, young person or or a person who's starting out on this journey wants to develop leadership skill, virtue matters a lot. Yes, yeah, and 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 being right focused and being wanting to develop your faith. You know, and I, thought, I was thinking what you were saying there before, and I was just really beautiful. You know, God God calls and He leads and He puts the steps. You know, I would say a hundred percent that in my own mm. personal journey. I would, 
And I think when Brendan asked me to take over, I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I literally, I think, held him back for a couple of years from leaving because I wasn't ready. But um, like, I'm out of here. See you later. Yeah. And I was like, no, <laughs> Lock up after yourself. <laughs> so, you know, so God does lead you on that journey. And yeah, I would, I think the, that connection, that intimacy with Christ in knowing that he's in charge and if this is what he wants, he will give you what mm. you need to be able to do it is incredibly important. And so watching the faith of others and knowing that, that they're leaning on God and that that's what they're seeking first and foremost, it, it, it's, I think as a leader, it's quite comforting because you can see that when things get tough, if they've made this decision to say yes mm. with God, then when and they're having a hard time, they're here for the right reasons and they will lean on him mm. and they will come back to that. They're not just going to, you know, throw it away or walk out the door mm. when things get challenging because it's God that's called them. Yeah. You know, we we pray and discern over team members, but we also ask them to pray and discern. Mm. And I think in any leadership um, in the church, that's absolutely what we should be doing. We should be praying and discerning those who come into leadership, but they should be praying and discerning. And constantly in that, you know, when I took over this role, for me, like there was an extra level of accountability in my own faith life mm. of going, right, I'm in this role. I've, I've really got to make sure that I am doing my utmost to be growing in faith, but to be building that intimacy with God. Yeah. So in other words, uh, politicize gender politics as your sort of big focus, it's just you wouldn't last in this environment, I'd, I'd, would you? I suppose you'd, you'd probably burn out pretty quickly. I would, uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Because it's hard. It's tough. Leader, leadership, any leadership is mm. tough. And, you know, being able to keep coming back to, you know, what am I here to do? It's one of the questions I ask the team each year. Mm. Why did you say yes to joining the team? And why are you still here? Which sounds like a wrong question. <laughs> what are you here? still doing? Everybody yeah. laughs at that. But uh, it, we, it, we sacked you two years ago. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, is, is, is why are you still here? Like, why do you keep coming back to serve? Yeah. Because yeah. I want them to remember that. Mm. I want, you know, each year when we go into this, I want people to be anchored to that. And I want them, mm. you know, if God has called them and they know that, I want them to be to be starting the years planning from that place. Mm. It's interesting, eh? Because we, we've all served on the Hearts of Flame planning team. And I think about my time in that role and... I've had the privilege of serving with some amazingly talented female leaders. And I mean, you two are among them. And I don't just say that to them. It's not pithy. It's not, you know, flattery. You don't say that to all the ladies. Yeah, I re and I think I'm just thinking of people now as we're talking. I'm just thinking, yeah, they're, they're just like, it's funny because Hearts of Flame would be a, a thing that would often be accused of being sort of regressive and, you know, conservative and, you know, 
but that word uttered by people who don't even understand the beauty of authentic conservatism. It's like it's like a slur. And yeah, and and yet it's some have been some of I would argue the most progressive leadership when it comes to female leadership. It's led by a female now, and there was never any question about Gemma. You being the right person to take that over. It's so it's interesting actually when I think back on that experience and some of the most talented, gifted, and effective female leadership has been in this space. You know. Right, and it, it continues to grow lay leaders, mm. right? Like being mm. on, you know, being on the planning team isn't just, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. But mm. it, it's a serious thing and mm. a commitment and uh, and those who are part of it do grow and they learn new mm. skills and and hopefully they take that those skills to other parts of their life and further on and, and other parts of the church as well. And, and it is, yeah, it's a lay-led initiative. So I guess... Hearts of Flame is sort of the mm. starting point for maybe for that movement of developing more leaders, and which is great. Good to have been part of it. Um, I've got one last question. You might say it's the million dollar question, and uh, really only you two can answer this. Maybe there are, you know, male priests or pastors or ministers out there who feel the pressure now. We we gotta we gotta nurture we gotta develop this concept of female leadership. We gotta make create spaces for female leadership. You know, that, all those kind of buzzwords that you hear now. As females, what do you want from the church and from leaders in that regard? What is it? Is is there is there something that what what would you say to them if someone said to you like they said, well we'll give you a blank check. Just tell us what we're supposed to do. What does it look like to empower female leadership? Help us. What would you say? What are you looking for? I feel like you could have given us more warning about that question so we could have really like nailed it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, I was thinking, I was thinking the first thing that came to my mind was what you were saying before about, you know, um, that it's it, it's great when we have parish priests where, you know, maybe we go to them and say, look, um, I've seen this or, you know, I, I want to do this. And that the parish priest would be someone that you could bounce ideas off mm. um, that, if you discern together and maybe with other people in your parish that this was a good thing to do or whatever, that like you discern, should we do this ministry, whatever, mm. and then just let us get on with it. Yeah. And I, I and I, my current parish priest is very much like that, and and it's great. Like if well, there's lots of different groups in our parish, and some of that is yeah, people have gone. Oh, I want to I want to see this happen, and he's gone. Go for it. What can mm. what can I do to help? Um, and I think that because I think it's we, I don't know. I don't like the focus being particularly on women. I just yeah. kind of think what we want to see is people being more faithful and more involved and offering, you know, serving the church and um, not for priests to not get in the way of that, but just priests to help facilitate mm. that or just to kind of give a yeah. Um, give us the encouragement to to do that and not be too much of an obstacle. I mean, because not mm. all ideas are great, right? Like someone might <laughs> yeah. go, oh, we want to do this. And the yeah. person might be like, Ooh. you know, that's not a good idea. Uh, but to discern together, I think, is to so, collaborate. So, so don't be awkward about the female mm. part of it, is yeah. that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Don't make just, that the focus. Yeah, just, you mm. know, encourage lay involvement in whatever mm. aspect, you know. Mm. Um, Definitely yes. don't make that the focus. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I think what you were saying there, Anna, in terms of collaboration, uh, I think that's really key. I think you know if someone comes, so encouraging 
encouraging and supporting and inviting, uh, you know, noticing, you know, I think a parish priest's role is to notice Mm. people out there, you know, just get to know them enough that you can kind of start to see the leadership skills and, and, you know, inviting them like we, we tell me what you're good at. Like, where could you, where could you offer support in this parish? I can see that you've got some real gifts. What, Mm. what could you do? Definitely agree with the obstacles. Don't put, put obstacles, but you know, you can, you can shape and mold mm, that's things, right. yeah. you know, yeah. like invite people, you know, if someone's got an idea, what, what's the purpose behind it? What are they trying mm. to get at? What's their, what's their goal? What support do they need? Do they need to be, you know, is it, if it's a younger person, do they need to be paired up with someone or mentored by someone um, that, and you know, somebody in the church that might be able to just help them get started or, I think, you know, such a big role is to the encouragement mm. Mm. as well, is just encouraging people who have these ideas uh, to put them into place and supporting them. Is that a uniquely feminine leadership need? And I think all people who are leaders need to know they're, they're sort of, they're appreciated what they're doing because you'd walk away if you felt like it was just, no one was thanking you for any of it. But is it uh, a particularly important aspect of female leadership to know that you're sort of nurtured in that role as well? Or is, I don't know. I'm I not feel a like man, a, so I don't know if I can like, As a bloke, I kind of feel a little bit like I'm like, okay, as long as you pat me on the back every now and then and tell me I'm doing okay, I'm okay. But is it is it as the female uh, and the feminine genius is such that there needs to be more of that emotional fulfillment in the role, I guess? I don't know if I'm going to answer that in, in exactly the way you're asking it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Mother. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm going to come at it from the fact of the leadership, and I think you would identify this with mm. this, actually. Leadership is a lonely place at times. Yeah. Yeah, when you carry the burden of responsibility mm. for something, um, you can feel that weight on your own shoulders quite significantly mm. at times. Mm. And I think that's perhaps where I was coming from um, as well is that n- needing that encouragement and support mm. sometimes when some when when you've been fighting battle after battle mm. uh, and you just need kind of someone to go keep going it'll mm. be all right you'll get there we, you, you know we've got your back do we need a female leadership um uh, support network of some kind for females in the church, you know, like like good, sound, non-politicized, you know, females having females, or is that, you know? I just, I, I think uh, personally for me, like I like some good feedback. I think if I don't get feedback, like encouragement, yeah, yes, affirmation is always helpful, yeah. but just solid feedback, and and I think feedback not just from women, but from men yeah, as well. Okay. And I I've, I find that like, you know. I've got all these ideas. I'm just carrying them out. But you know, is this a good thing? Like, and and to, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I recently had some prayer with a friend of mine and and a, um, another, who was a woman, and then a man as well. And it was really good because they sort of had some insights which were quite different. Yeah. And I, like sometimes I just need that really sort of blunt, you know, yeah. straight mm. down the line thing. Which women can give as well, um, <laughs> but 
but I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't like this, all this separation. I just kind of like, let's, we're all in the same yeah. boat. Mm. And yes, we bring different skills and maybe, you know, men and women are, are different. They're complementary. Uh, they complement each other, but they and they're different. But like to just have the feedback from lots of different people, mm. I think is yeah, and the support of lots of different people. I think there's a beautiful thing about you know women's groups, and and I'm not against that whatsoever. Mm. But if I think about the places I go for support and uh, like my soundboards. Mm. And the people I go to test things out, it's actually men. But that's not interesting. That's not because they're men. It's because yeah. of just the I guess the people around me who I see wisdom in and who I really trust will give me sometimes that hard mm. feedback and go, Yeah, nah, that's not a good idea. Or Ooh, you want to think carefully about that. Um yeah, they're, But they're it could men. be females if they were the right females in the, in your life, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. yeah, it's not yeah. about this. Again, it's not about gender. It's mm. about wisdom and, uh, mm. you know, someone who I, someone who I see has a good faith that I trust mm. that that'll be coming from the right place. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So really, it's almost like we've come full circle, haven't we? Um, there's a. Sorry, we're not buying into your. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I'm I'm really interested in this. This is um genuinely. I was genuinely. I was asking for a friend. <laughs> no, I was genuinely interested. Um, because I think. One of the issues is, and I'm going to actually be talking about this in my lecture series later this week, Arts of Flame, and understanding the culture we live in that um, good old Karl Marx, thank you, Karl, uh, one of the things he did was he politicized everything. The moment he called religion the opiate of the masses, you know, the idea being it's this thing that dumbs you down and stops you from rising up in your rightful revolution, it makes you sort of stupefied, is he introduced this idea that even our our, our priests, our pastors, were part of the elite system that was keeping us dumbed down, and they were they were just uh, empowering the system. And so he politicised even our relationship to God. So everything now is political, even leadership, and even leadership in the church. It's like the the male female question is almost more important than are they actually the right person? Do they have faith? It's you know it's the mm-hmm. political talking points and identity categories. They really get in the way, right, of good leadership. Yeah, I'd agree. Well. I will say, before I say thank you, um, it has been a privilege, actually. I think you both are absolute treasures to the church. Can I say that? Treasures is a nappy yeah. brand in New Zealand, so maybe <laughs> should You're gems. No, you really are. You are both amazingly gifted, talented women who bring so much to the to the faith and to the Christian tradition in, in New Zealand and now Australia. <laughs> Cross the ditch, up. stealing yeah. all our good stuff. Crowded house, <laughs> you know, Pavlova. Anna Abraham. Um, so you're on that list now. Um, but yeah, um, and so it's, I mean, it's been, it has been the, the, and the continuing leadership roles that we serve in together, they, when mm. our paths cross it. So it's a, it's a joy for me. Um, but yeah, thank you both for, for coming and contributing and giving up your time. You're only here for a couple of days, Anna, and I'm mm. sure, you know, an hour out of your time. It's just not long enough, but anyway, <laughs> no, it's not. just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Gemma, I know you're busy with hearts. Every day is busy and mad. Yeah, this but, could have been you know. nap time, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, so so thank you for that. And just, yeah, I mean, hopefully our listeners have got something out of it. It's um, I know it's been a rewarding dialogue for me, so thank you both.
Thanks, Brendan. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for yeah. asking the questions because yeah. they're not always some, something we... Well, it's good to have these discussions. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. Thanks for all the work you do, Brendan. I really appreciate it. It's turned into a thank fest at the end, hasn't it? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how to wrap this up now. It's like, just, yeah, right, okay, we're finishing. Thank you. No, no, thank you. No, you were awesome. No. <laughs> but anyway, to everyone, seriously, thanks, guys. And thank you for everyone for tuning in. It's been an absolute blessing and a privilege to have this conversation and I really hope that you've got something out of this dialogue just as I have um, being part of it today as well. Thank you again everybody for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed that little conversation with Gemma and Anna. It's been a real privilege to be on this journey with you this year. I really hope you've been blessed by the episodes, you've enjoyed the content, you've found stuff that's challenging, riveting, engaging, informative and all of those important kind of buzzwords and most of all I will be praying for you guys that you have a blessed and holy and happy new year ahead of you. Thank you so much for your patronage and your support over 2023. Without you guys, none of these episodes would have been possible. And I am eternally grateful, not just me, but my wife, Katie, as well. We are extremely grateful for your support. It means the world to us and it allows us to actually keep producing this content. So thank you very, very much. Don't forget, live by goodness, truth, and beauty, not by lies. And I will see you next year on The Dispatches.